there, and welcome to the My Nights Are Booked podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Beth Pollock, and today I am delighted to introduce an interview that I did with Melanie Zanetti. And uh, if I've done this properly, I'm releasing this this interview on her birthday, which is very special. And, and I have to say, I've done some interviews in the past. I've done lots of interviews in the past. And this was a conversation that I really, truly enjoyed. And I'm actually going to preface this introduction by saying that this interview is part of a larger project that I'm working on. So there's there are other components to it. And so for anyone wondering, you know, why I'm not introducing uh, a video or why I'm not doing articles at this moment, really, it's just a matter of it's a rollout. There's there's several segments to this project. And at the heart of it is this feature that I've been working on with Melanie, and um, it's about Melanie. And um, it's a little bit bigger than just any one podcast and, you know, one video. Um, But I do want to assure you, I know a lot of people have asked about being able to watch the video. I'm not going to release the full video, but I will release clips. And so over the next couple of weeks, we'll have we'll have some of those clips available um, in some of the the articles that I'm writing. And all of this is going to tie into a big, massive feature that I've been working on. So I'm really excited about it, but I thought it would be really appropriate to share this conversation because it is such a fun conversation. And it was uh, it was an absolute pleasure to talk with Melanie and um, just for the sake of transparency. So her birthday and the date of this release is March 3rd, uh, March 21st. And we talked a couple weeks ago. So it was, it was long before Gabriel's Rapture part two. Um, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's well in advance of the release. It just happens that today is the release or that this week is the release. Um, so really, you know, I, I do want to kind of put out there as a, kind of a disclaimer that we don't talk about a lot. We don't talk about specifics. The The goal that I had when I started this interview was that I wanted to focus on Melanie herself. You know, what is, what are her interests? What does she do? What does she do for fun? What are, you know, some fun stories that she has. And at the end of the interview, we actually, um, she actually goes through the questions of, um, that they, they used on inside the actor's studio and her answers are incredible. I, I can't even tell you how phenomenal her answers are. And really, the the written word does not do them justice. So I wanted to make sure that I shared that in an audio capacity. So, um, so the podcast is really the only place where you're going to hear this whole interview in its entirety. Um, but there will be video clips and there will be articles and things like that. But I just thought it would be fun to get this out there into the world. And, um, you know, really it's, it's, there's so many things that I learned about Melanie in this interview that I haven't heard anywhere else. Little stories about elf ears and, you know, her favorite curse word and just all kinds of stuff. There's so many, there are so many things in this interview. And like I said, this, this spins into something bigger, a much bigger project. And, um, so for now it's kind of like an amuse-bouche that's if, if you want to call it anything, this is just to whet your appetite. And um, I think it's it's kind of a fun way to get to know her better. And really, you know, as I as I watched Gabriel's Rapture Part Two, um, I was fortunate enough to receive a screener of the movie. And you know, as I watch her do her thing, and you know, and, and to bring Julia to life, um, 
you really learn when you hear her talk about her, her passions and her inspiration, you really see how that comes out in her acting. And so if anything, this is kind of meant to enhance the experience of seeing her do her craft. So that's, you know, more than anything, that's, that's what this is about. And I really hope that you enjoy it. I don't really need to say anything else because the interview speaks for itself. It's a lot of fun and I think you're going to enjoy it. Um, a quick word, I do have, uh, I do have a lot of stuff coming out. So now is a really good time. And I, I, I always feel awkward telling people like, I really would love it if you would subscribe to my channels and all that stuff. But I do mean it. Like I'm, I'm terrible at YouTube. So the tendency for me to publish things without having, you know, realizing they've been published is, is real. So if you want to, to be, you know, one of the first people to watch videos when they get at lift or when they get added to YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's, you can search under my name, um, subscribe to the podcast and, uh, you know, make sure that you're, you're visiting my And, and those are all ways that you can find all of these projects that I'm working on. And, uh, I have to say that there's a lot, there are a lot of things that I've been working on. That's why I've been kind of quiet lately. So, um, your support means everything. And, you know, one of the best ways that you can support my efforts because I don't get paid to do this anymore. This is all a passion project of my own, but the thing that I, that I absolutely love is knowing that there's an audience out there and that the audience is enjoying these things because that makes me want to do more. So, um, so I really appreciate your support. So if you can, you know, subscribe and like the podcast and leave reviews and all that stuff, it really goes a long way and I really appreciate it. So without any further ado, I thought I could wrap this up pretty quickly, but you know, may I have, there's always something to say. Um, I really hope you enjoy this interview and I would love if you would, you know, message me on social media, let me know what you think. And, um, you know, who knows, who knows might, who might be the next person to, uh, to get those 10 questions. Actually I do know, and, and I think you're going to like it. So stay tuned. There's a lot more to come, but for now, enjoy this fantastic, inspiring, and just, I, oh God, it's such a special interview. I hope you enjoy it. So here it is my interview with Melanie Zanetti. Let's go back to the beginning. How did you know that you wanted to become an actor? Because there's so many different ways that you fall into things. What was the moment for you where you thought, this is what I want to do? I don't know if there was necessarily a moment, particularly when I was younger. Um, I think I always loved telling stories and I loved world creation. And when I was little, all the games I loved playing were either um, making up fantastical things. I, I'm in a big family. I was a bit of a master of ceremonies that way. Love anything to do with dress ups, anything um, that was fantastical, not interested in games that had anything to do with reality, really. Um, so, so that's who I was as a kid. Um, and I think I enjoyed um, doing plays and acting when I was younger. I think when I left school, I didn't really think I could be an actor. It wasn't something that I thought was for me. I thought that was just for really beautiful and really deluded people. And I think I didn't really put myself, I'm like, I'm very smart. I don't put myself in that category. So I went off and started another sort of journalism creative industries degree. And it, um, it was, I did very well and I hated it. Um, and then I deferred from that because it was literally grading on my soul. 
And um, it was actually my parents who sat me down and said, look, you can do anything later, but you really loved acting. So why don't you give that a go now? Um, and I told them that they were being very impractical. Um, and then I had a big cry and I knew they were right. And then I auditioned for an acting course, the only one left open in, in, that I knew in the country. And I got in and sort of everything went from there. That is so crazy. What a great story. That is so, you know, it reminds me, it's so funny because your, your Gabriel's co-star, Christian Veet, has, has a similar story where he was in marketing and never planned to be an actor. And then it just kind of fell in, it, it, it fell in at like the, the perfect moment. It wasn't like, it, it was serendipity. And I, and I love that, you know, that you had such a supportive family to be able to, you know, to, to make that transition where they said, no, this is where you should be. Like, that's wonderful. Yeah, I'm, I'm very aware of how fortunate I am to have um, a supportive family because not everyone does and it does make a huge impact on whether people feel they have permission to go after what they love. Um, I, I actually had a moment, I think it was 2019, and I was um, doing a, a Paramount film that was shooting in Australia and I was driving to set, I think it would have been about 6 a.m. and I drove past people in their corporate wear you know about to you know in their cars and waiting at bus stops and I just started sobbing with relief and gratitude that I was doing the thing that I loved that um I had been helped and allowed to follow my passion because not everyone does and I just went oh it was just the understanding of what a shell of myself I would be if I wasn't doing something creative. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. How do you choose your roles? You've been through, you know, I was looking at your, at, you know, at, at your biography and all the roles that you've taken and there, you don't fall into a pattern and which I think is great. Like it, it's a little bit of everything, but when, when things come to you, when you get scripts, how do you know it's, it's right for you? Um, look, uh, with, let's just be honest, with actors a lot of the time you have to be open to what is coming to you. There are so many people who are working, so who want to work and, mm -hmm. you know, so many actors who are out of work. So when something particularly gets offered or falls into your lap, um, the opportunity to work is a gift. But I have been particularly lucky to be able to do so many different things and to be able to be um, a bit of a chameleon with the roles that I, I've been offered. Even in the last year, um, I did a gothic period piece and then a romance and then was playing a cartoon dog and then a um, short film set in the 50s. Um, and before for that last year or the year before last I, I did a couple of episodes of Young Rock where I was a jazzercise instructor in the 80s um, and with my theatre I've played uh, modern characters I've played Shakespeare I've played period piece um, I love being able to enter all of these different worlds and um, I think part of that is is I have a I have quite a malleable face. I can look very different. I, have a, I call it a squishy face. Um, I can look really different, um, but I also don't look too modern. I have a, a face that works for period pieces as well and, and different, different time periods. Um, so I'm fortunate that way as well. Some people um, just naturally look quite modern, 
and quite striking in that. Um, mm -hmm. But I have a bit more of a yoldy face. I love it. I love it. So with that, with that said, do you, um, are there roles that you haven't had a chance to try that you'd like to try? Or are there things that you try to shy away from as they come across? I mean, you know, knowing that you want to accept as much as you can, are there, are there things that you're, you're like, you would just, if, if you could make a wish and get the, your dream role, is there something out there that you would love to try? Or are there things that you're definitely not interested in that you can so I've got to be right honest. Last year I did, I have always wanted to do a sort of gothic period piece. And I got to do that last year. So that was a bit of a bucket list tick. Um, another one that I got to do, it was a, a kids sort of tween TV show, but I got to play an elf, mm -hmm. um, a villainous elf actually, which was really fun but my main desire was to have elf ears and the guy who made ours um he worked on a lot of the rings and he made them all bespoke so they were all different um but formed around our particular ear and a little bit different mine were very pretty and another bucket list tick to um yeah to have elf ears so I've already had a few of the ones that I've really wanted um for me it's more working on great material with excellent people. I always want to be working with my betters, people who are more experienced and um, have been, you know, doing it for longer than me because that's how you learn. Whenever I'm like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm the weakest link, that's when I know <laughs> growth is going to happen. And a bit of terror uh, doesn't hurt. <laughs> terror can do amazing things sometimes as a motivator. Oh, absolutely. But now I have to ask, do you still have the ears? Did you get to keep the ears? I'm never allowed to wear them <laughs> because they belong to the franchise and et cetera. But I do have a pair in the fridge. Um, in the fridge? <laughs> well, they're silicone and they have to be kept in the fridge. I can never wear them, but they're more of a memento. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> you, you had multiple pairs made. Mm -hmm. So what they do is um, the point of the ear is made and then there's sort of, it gets thinner and thinner. And then they use um, uh, sort of a glue to attach them and dissolve them into your ear. So it looks like it's your actual skin. And then they'll uh, paint it more to your skin color and to the curves of your ear. It's a whole process. You're in there for about, you know, 30 minutes getting your ears on alone but um it's magic suddenly turning from human to elf it's very exciting I love it I love it so you have to no one can clean your fridge out because they might you know yes are, are they special they're a special packet <laughs> <laughs> I can never wear them but they're a beautiful memento in my fridge I love it I think that's fantastic <laughs> um I want to talk to you about your poetry, but before we get to that, having you know, kind of heard some of your responses, I hear you know that you enjoy creative, you know, creative endeavors so much. And even as a child, you were you know always kind of off in that land of imagination, which I think is just so fantastic. Now that you've experienced acting, like you've been acting for a while, I know a lot of actors start transitioning at some point to writing, to directing, to producing, and and taking on other roles. Have you ever? thought about that or are, are there Absolutely. projects that you awesome yeah um I at some point would like to direct I I have a I have a brain that sees the macro as well 
as mm-hmm. the minutia and micro. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think that in my future, that's, that's definitely on the cards. Um, as well as writing, I, um, years back, I wrote a theater show that toured for a while. Um, it's been a while, you know, because especially when you're busy, other things take precedences, precedent, but I definitely think um, writing and directing is in my future, for That's sure. So I, I think as an actor, um, there's only so much control you have mm-hmm. because you're <clears throat> as sort of a, a cog in this whole machine and, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're last in, first out on set often as well. Um, so, yeah, having a little bit more control over the whole situation is something that um, excites me. That's so cool. It's so funny because some people are, are, are they, they shy away. They say, oh no, I could never write or I could, you know, directing is what I want to do. And it's, it's so wonderful when there's, you know, people who could take on all of those roles and you but just- I think that often it's, it's trickier. <clears throat> um, for women, I think, I think men often just go, oh yeah, sure, I'll give that a go because hmm. men are taught to be brave and women are taught to be perfect. And until women feel like, oh, I could totally do that and I have it all, women are often so much more prepared <laughs> than men going into things because of how we're conditioned. And so for me, um, I'm trying to be more courageous. When I, when I have something and, and someone says, oh, do you wanna do this? And I feel terrified that I'm like, oh gosh, I guess I have to do it now um, because that's where the growth happens. So um, I'm someone who does deal with perfectionism. Um, I think a lot of people do. And so it's trying to not let um, perfect be the enemy of good. And I was also listening to a podcast where someone was talking about um, people who are great leaders and have made great strides in, you know, innovation and things like that. And the one thing he found in common with all of them was they did things when they didn't feel ready. And that was not what I wanted to hear, (laughs) (laughs) but it was useful. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think that that makes perfect sense. And, and, you know, I think that kind of segues really well into your poetry and your poetry endeavors, because you, your poetry is beautiful. And I was just reading the comments on the, the poem that you wrote the other day, I think it was four days ago or so. And everybody just was asking, are you going to collect it? You know, are you, what are you doing? Like it, and it's, it's so interesting to me because social media is, is it's a double-edged sword, right? Like it, it can be wonderful and it can be incredibly challenging, but for artistic endeavors, for you to be able to put your poetry into the world and control it, it just, it's, it's a great medium for you. Even if you chose never to collect it in a book form, you have this place where you can go and look at your social media and say, look, I mean, this, I actually have collected it, you know, in the middle of all of your beautiful photos too. It's just, it's, but your poetry is beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, okay. So the first one I ever posted, I was terrified, so scared because I haven't really shown my poetry to anyone really, unless I've written something for someone and, and given mm-hmm. it to them. Um, and so it was very, it felt very vulnerable and um, scary. Um, but I think um, for me on social media, 
the people who follow me, it's just the most beautiful group of people. And I think that says a lot about the audience of Gabriel's Inferno, that the books attract very kind, very generous women, particularly. Mm -hmm. And um, which makes uh, social media, I, I'm really kind of only on Instagram, um, a kinder place uh, for me. And um, I've really, I've really enjoyed being able to share things that I've written over the years. Um, that's been, yeah, really, really lovely and re rewarding. And I, I am considering the idea of, um, of collating it into, into something book form um, in the future. That's, um, sometimes you have to put it out there <laughs> in percolating just to go, oh, okay, now I've said it, now I have to do it. <laughs> um, um, but I do, I think what I really enjoy about poetry is there's no rules. Mm. There's no rules of what anything has to be. And it's really about um, the associations you, you make in your mind that are um, connected to a topic that you feel in your heart and your body and it can be expressed in any way you please. And I just think there's something so freeing about that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, just a nice, it's a nice to have um, a creative expression that isn't connected to my work. Mm -hmm. um, there's also a freedom in that, that it doesn't have to be anything for anyone, um, which right. I also really love. I love that. I love that. And it, it actually, again, speaking of segues, it, it segues perfectly into the conversation. I want to talk to you about Bluey and being a, a voice actor and how different that is from being in front of a camera. Um, you know, but hearing you talk about, you know, the freedom that you have with, with poetry, it, there must, it strikes me and, and I'll preface this. Um, a couple of years ago, I had a chance to interview the cast of uh, Scooby-Doo the Scooby-Doo Kiss Rock and Roll Mystery. And it was, it was a huge feature film. It was a couple, it was a, it was at Comic-Con. It was this huge, you know, press room. And I got to meet the members of Kiss, which was kind of crazy. It was good and bad. It was kind of crazy. But there were these, you know, these very talented voice actors and Matthew Lillard and Polly Perrette and Gray Griffin. And, and they've been around doing all sorts of, of animation for years, but they've also been in front of the camera as have, you know, as have Kiss. Are these know. the original Scooby-Doo actors? These are, most of them um, were doing the animated things. Matthew Lillard would be the one who he played He Well, he was in, um, let's see, Sha he played Shaggy, like in the right. live action. Version. Right, right. So he was one of those ones, you know. So it was. It, I think the other ones were uh, primarily just the voice actors, but uh -huh. they're actors in other things. Yeah, yeah. So that was. It was so fascinating to hear them talking about how much they enjoyed going and playing their roles in an animated form, and the freedom that they had, and even the members of Kiss, who have been all over, you know, in front of cameras and in on stage and they all said it was just such a wonderful experience to be able to bring something to life, but not actually be in front of the camera to do it. And I'm, I'm, I've watched Bluey. I've, I've seen, you know, I've seen people talk about Bluey and now with Disney plus, it just, it's just all over the place. 
I have to think that it might, it must be such a, a, an amazing experience to be able to bring something to life, but not have to worry about the visual side of it to not have to, you know, you can let yourself go in ways to bring the voices together without worrying. It's glorious. <laughs> it's, it's so wonderful. Um, the not having to worry about what you look like, how you appear, what you're doing with your book. So when I'm um, doing the voiceover, I pretty much act everything out so that it sounds right. Like if you're lifting Bluey or Bingo up, I, I do the movements so, so that vocally it sounds right. So, you know, I, I look insane <laughs> when I'm recording. But there's a freedom to it because I know that that's never going to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really fun playing. It's like another metamorphosis playing a character that looks so different to you because they happen to be a cartoon. Um, and there's a there's a sort of lovely anonymity with that as well. Like I have a, quite a chameleon voice, so I never, no one ever recognizes that it's me. Whereas um, Dave McCormack who plays Bandit, he's not an actor, he's a musician and a composer. That's just the way he sounds. That is like literally his voice. Um, first time we talked on the phone, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm talking to the character. Um, but for me, because I have a voice that like I do a lot of accent work, um, like even the last little while, there's been like four different accents I've had from different different projects. So um, my voice is less um, in the you just recognize it realm. So there is anonymity with it as well, which is, I think kind of wonderful. It's funny with little kids though, because they they don't quite put together that there's a human voicing the cartoon. They expect that you are the cartoon. Um, but yeah, it is like, coming back to what you said, very freeing. I love it. What's it been like playing to a different audience? Because obviously that, you know, it's targeted to children and families. And so that must bring a whole new group of into your into your world um I have a lot of friends with young kids uh they love it (laughs) they're they're very excited about it um but it's it's everywhere like I was at this um with a friend uh I went to this like uh afternoon pool party and it was all sort of people more in the horror world actually Mm -hmm. um directors and things like that and um she mentioned that I was the mum in Bluey and grown men are jumping out of the pool and going, what? We watch you every day. It's like, I need to call my wife. I need to talk to my children. So it's permeated. It's, it's so interesting. And I think it has done so well because the writer Joe is just, he's brilliant, but he's managed to tap into something that's really truthful and essential, but also funny about that stage in life and um there's things in the show that I just think is so excellent like there's in terms of who you see doing the household chores and looking after the children it's really 50 50 um the way that's portrayed which I think is amazing uh and the parents are they're fallible they make mistakes and when they do they apologize to their kids for it and I just think that's such incredible modeling that I don't think I've seen in kids TV before. So I think that's really resonating. Like I've had parents, like like I know so many have contacted the studio that Bluey's made in, but even me personally saying, this has made me a better better parent, made me want to play with my kids more. It's 
changed the way I parent my children, which I just think is astounding. That's fantastic. And that must, you know, now that you've, you've been doing it, it must give you even more projects to think about and more ways to approach projects, given that you can do that. And you don't have to, you don't really have to go far because you don't have to physically be in a space to, to record. Well, that's the thing that's really magical um, about recording Bluey is I can do it anywhere in the world, just go into a studio wherever I happen to be. So I've recorded in different places in Australia, LA, upstate New York, Latvia, Florence. It's uh, it's made the rounds, Bluey. <laughs> I love it. You'll have to, maybe you could pitch like a, an international, like a, a, a trip, like Bluey goes on a cruise and then you can Totally. Yeah, that would be, <laughs> that would be so much fun. <laughs> um, do, I know you mentioned, uh, you mentioned your Gothic project that you just finished and you have a couple of things that you're working on. What are some of the things that, that are coming up? So I actually don't know how much I can talk about it because it has, well, and I, yeah. but I, I do have a feature here in Australia that um, I'm going to do in about a month. And then I'll be doing part three of Gabriel's, Gabriel's Redemption. Wow. It's always something. You're so busy. Yeah. <laughs> Things are happening. I, I love it. But that, that's a good thing. As you say, I mean, actors want to be active. So it's, it's, that's a good Absolutely. thing. So how do you unwind with all of the things that you're working on? What do you, what do, you do when you need to kind of escape? Um, I love a hike. Being out in nature, it's it's the best. Um, and we have so many beautiful hikes here in Queensland. I did one, there's a place, um, sort of hinterland, Gold Coast, which is about two hours away from here. And it's just like, we've had so much rain recently, but it's a sort of rainforesty, mountainy walk, and there's just waterfalls upon waterfalls. And it's amazing. So I think, I think being out in nature is one of the big things. I also love reading. Um, uh, escape particularly fiction um mm -hmm. escaping into other worlds is a great way for me to just chill and breathe um love a podcast I listen to a lot of podcasts um I also like cooking things that can be meditative in in motion mm -hmm. um really help me so walking yoga cooking hiking reading the sort of things that help anything that helps sort of like ground you in your body are things that really help me. I love it. I love it. What's the last, uh, what, what was the last book you read that you just absolutely fell in love with? Oh, that I absolutely fell in love with. Hmm. I think it's been, a, I'm trying to think of the last one that just blew my mind. One I really enjoyed that I read last week was where the crawdads sing. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. So that's being made into a film, I think. So mm -hmm. um, that was that was a beautiful book. Really, really gorgeous. Um I'm trying to think what else. I, I, I read I read Busy Phillips autobiography uh, recently. That's well. fun. That's fun. <laughs> um, but books that I like really, really loved. I read I think it was last year, the year before. Last year, I didn't read a lot. I was traveling so much. It wasn't a big, but the year before was a big reading year for me. Um, I read Three Women 
by Lisa Taddeo, which was incredible. Um, yeah, I, I love it. Love a good book. Oh, I love it. I love it. Do you have any guilty pleasures? And I, I always hate using that term because nobody should feel guilty about things that make them happy. But in terms of guilty pleasures, you know, we think of like food that we eat or we make or TV shows or hobbies that, you know, we just kind of enjoy that we like to do. Mm, good question. Um, I agree. I don't think anything should be labeled as a guilty pleasure because pleasure is pleasure. And the other thing I want to say is a lot of things that um, particularly women are taught as guilty pleasures, um, as indulging in things, is um, there's a lot rooted in misogyny there and mm -hmm. they shouldn't feel guilty about liking things that are, uh, seen as a more predominantly uh female medium uh because i i think that's just crap yeah. <laughs> so that's my disclaimer I, no i i agree i agree that's why I, I always like to put that little disclaimer because i don't know what else to, like you know what a, you know what you're talking about when you say guilty pleasure but it's like can't we come up with something better to call it than guilty pleasure because it's just you know that's it's just not yeah, a great I guess the question is what is it a pleasure that is seen as not mainstream, not not like not given the uh, cultural tick of what we should. Um, I think someone who used to be like that, who isn't is anymore, is Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. I love her. I think she is brilliant, um, and I think pop music in general has had so much stigma. Mm -hmm. um, but she's a genius and she's prolific. Oh. And I think her last two albums were exceptional. And because she's re-releasing all of her music, um, we get to see that this person was like <laughs> profound in her talent. Um, and people are getting to uh, revisit, but also um, a new audience is coming along. So she's got this huge audience and, and I've got to say when I was younger and I guess more conditioned by society she's not someone that I would have particularly listened to or given credence to and like we're all doing unlearning about what we are allowed or should to should like um so that's been a deprogramming for me and I've got so much joy out of listening to her wonderful work I love it. I love it. I feel like we could have a whole conversation just about that topic. Oh and, yeah. And that would be so much 100%. fun. I would, I would love to do that. <laughs> that would be, it's funny. I had a similar conversation with Olivia, Olivia Applegate and she was talking, she had the same. I love her so much. Uh, I just got to say one of the most wonderful things about doing these films was getting to meet some of the other people who've worked with Passion Flicks mm -hmm. and Olivia and I, when we met, we just went, we kind of went, you, you, we're gonna, we're gonna hang out. And we just adore each other and found this just immense <laughs> common ground. And that's been one of the biggest joys about working on these, like meeting particularly these other incredible women. Anyway, Olivia was saying. Well, no, no, no. I was just, I mean, I feel like I, I want to, I feel like that would be such an amazing thing. You're giving me ideas. Like I would love to have like a summit of all of the leading ladies to come together and have conversations, you know, about the empowerment of 
what these, I mean, there are people, I was just having this conversation the other day about how I had, like, I have only recently started not reading things in a reader, you know, like where you don't feel ashamed of your, of like a romance cover, like, you know, and it's like, it is, it's like you decondition things, but she was, she was saying that there's so much, there's so many things that we have to kind of unlearn to be able to move forward. And, and what passion flicks does is a huge part of that because, you know, that's, that's the whole mission. So it's, it's just, it's so wonderful to hear you're both lined up on that same topic. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and uh, white straight men shouldn't be the deciders of what is culturally okay to ingest is what I think. Yeah, absolutely. One last thing I would love to do. If you're game, mm-hmm. you familiar with the show Inside the Actor's Studio? Yes. <laughs> I look, not, not anytime recently. I've seen bits and pieces of it. But yeah, no, it's, it, it hasn't been on for a while, but um, uh, James Lipton, host, had used a set of questions that was developed from a set of French questions from a French version of the show. And it's always fun to, to hear what people have to say. So I've been starting to kind of ask random actors as I've, and authors, I, SR did one, and, and that will be out uh, very soon. So I have 10 questions, and they don't okay. have, you know, you can just quick fire whatever comes to mind. The first one, Melanie, what is your favorite word? Um, Cacophony. Great word. What's your least favorite word? Oh. Mm, that's a good one. Uh, I don't like, I know a lot of people don't like moist. Uh, I don't hate that. Panties. Oh, we say underwear in Australia. I hate the American panties. There's something that feels um, um, infantilizing about it. Mm-hmm. And we don't use it. They don't realize they don't use it for men. They only use it for women. And I hate it. It's a good one because it could be made derogatory so easily. I love I, that. makes perfect sense. Yeah. The other word that I was trying to work out how to say it. That's why coffee came. But um, my actual favorite is uh, mellifluous. Mellifluous. I don't know how to say it. Um, sweet, sweet sounding. Mm-hmm. Um, the actual translation. So melly means honey. Mel means dark, um, and fluous means flowing. Um, so the actual translation is flowing as with honey, which I love. Beautiful. Trust you to have the most beautiful responses. <laughs> <laughs> um, what turns you on? Oh, what turns me on? Um, when people are being so truly themselves that they may start going to the realms of what we would see as unconventional or kooky, but are so self-assured in their truth 
that's really sexy. Um, I think um, things that have been given lots of thought and care, like when someone has prepared something and they put so much thought into the detail to create something as a whole that's so beautiful and well thought out. And that can be in a meal, that can be in a script, that can be where, where people have, have like looked at the whole arc of it, but then also how all the bits fit together. Um, also to create a wonderful ending. There's a, a quote that says, I think it was Aristotle when he was talking about endings, he says, uh, uh, the best endings should be both surprising and inevitable. Wow. And anything that is feels, you know, when you're watching something, you're like, oh my God, oh my God, that's happening. And then you're like, of course, that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. I love that feeling. That feeling, that thing, that turns me on. I love it. Beautiful answers. So now, of course, what turns you off? Um, Bigotry, racism, uh, people who are suffering from the Dunning-Kruger effect. So where you don't know what you don't know, but then you're arrogant about it because your amount of knowledge is so small. Um, yeah, ignorance and arrogance as a package is not my favorite. What sound or noise do you love? Oh. I love the sound of the waves. I know that's so cliche, but being near salt water just feels very healing. Um, I love the sound of my, when my parents laugh together, something that they find really funny and that they get hysterical with their laughing together. I love that sound so much. And also the sound, I'm, I have three sisters and, when something hits us that is just like right in that sweet spot of our like joint experience and our laugh like becomes like a coven of witches. Um, <laughs> I love that sound. And the sound of pages being moved on a book. Mm, lovely. Love that. What sound or noise do you hate? Drilling sounds. Um, not my favorite. Uh, the sound of people eating messily with their mouth open, not a fan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's two ones I hate. What's your favorite curse word? Fuck, it's great. It's just, it's such an all purpose word. And, um, <laughs> I once had a boyfriend who said oh I hate the way you say that word I was like why and he's like it's just so like um aggressive and I was like yeah I think that's a compliment <laughs> um so it's the word I love I know how to use it properly nice nice what profession other than your own would you like to attempt Oh, I think um, at one point in my life, I could be a really wonderful structural florist. 
creating not not just bouquets but like huge structures with flowers and plants um that and you know what we talked about before writing directing um when I was younger the thing I really wanted to do when I was little was um work with dreams interpreting dreams um and I don't know that's something I'm still interested in I think it's it's crazy that we sleep and we have this whole other life of working out our days and metaphors and you know sometimes people have prophetic dreams like that I find dreams are fascinating oh absolutely absolutely what profession would you not like to do a policeman I just (laughs) I I it's just so again it's so just not my personality um to want to be doing that and I applaud people who do it well Absolutely. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh, that you were truly yourself. You lived a full life and you were kind. I love it. Melanie, this has been an absolute pleasure. And I was just really happy to be able to chat with you and get to know you better and be able to, I I can't wait to share this with everybody. This has just been the most amazing, magical, magical conversation I think I've ever had. So thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. It's been an absolute joy.